Hey guys, welcome to Biomass 95. Uh, kind of a small show today, just the, the three hosts. We got Jay back, he's tuning in from uh, far reaches of the world, so we're glad to have him. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a good show. So a couple of topics we're going to handle today, uh, some division talk, uh, talk about Black Desert from Zell. Uh, we No Man's Sky has some information, and I might talk a bit about uh, the new Dying Light expansion. So, without further ado, let's start with some introductions at the top of the list with Zell. I'm Zell. Fantastic. That's all you really have to know. Uh, Jason? Hey guys, I'm uh, Jason Larson, and I'm one of the members of the uh, Biomass team, and I am on uh, a little bit of a work vacation, uh, kind of a, about one, two, three, four, about four or five time zones away, but Glad to join in. So, power of the uh, connected world. And uh, I'm a little bit out of touch, but I'm trying to keep up with uh, all the video game news that you guys are going to be talking about. Fantastic. And of course, I'm uh, Pokey Traven from OSG Planetary Aberrations, uh, co host here on the, the uh, podcast, and I write for the blog from time to time. So, uh, without further ado, let's jump into it. So, uh, a game that people have been kind of following for quite a while now, I think uh, several years it's been in development, but uh, No Man's Sky. And No Man's Sky is, uh, for all intents and purposes, a space exploration. It's kind of got a cool, retro, bright color, sci-fi sort of feel to it. Kind of that uh, golden age of sci-fi, you know, early on. And uh, it's it's kind of an interesting, particularly uh, putting it up against games like Star Citizen and EVE Online, because it, it, it boasts... Um, a very large persistent universe and i believe that uh, from what i'm reading the number of planets in this game is two to the 64th power which is a massive number of planets to a point where they said that if a single person was exploring it would take them approximately five billion years to actually look at all of them so in other words you're never going to run out of places to look around in this game so uh, i i kind of haven't following it very briefly throughout the years but uh, it just got a, a release date for playstation and pc and it's gonna be june 21st from the sounds of it and uh yeah it, it, it looks very interesting it's, it's like i said it's kind of a definitely more of a focus on exploration rather than you know run and gun this isn't going to be like a, a new eden sort of we're gonna fly around and set up you know giant empires it is for all intents and purposes a single player game even though there are connections to other players and how you can kind of indirectly interact so uh have you guys heard about this at all any any thoughts on what you've seen so far i haven't seen too much um you know lately i i'll probably pick it up I, my the biggest question for me is going to be um you know what how how much detail there's going to be in in those various places and how how much there is to do in them um i mean eve online's a very big universe yes it has thousands of systems but they're all pretty much the same so that's that's going to be the big question to me is you know where's the gameplay at for it yeah, that's actually the question I kind of had as well, because, I mean, they, like I said, they boasted the exploration, which is awesome. I mean, you people do the same thing in games like Skyrim, where you just kind of get lost wandering around and, and looking at places. But, uh, you know, I, I was kind of looking up the things you can do, and, and they've been actually pretty vague about it, but it sounds like there is things you can do. Like, there's, you can go on down to a planet, and you can mine resources and, and sell those resources and use them to build new ships and, and stuff like that. And, and bear in mind that all the planets are procedurally generated, so you will never find two that are exactly the same there's there's definitely a wide range of environments from toxic to underwater to you know grassy plains and, and i guess that there's a 
multiple like pirate factions and in factions within space. They, they were even saying that you could actually play this game entirely in space if you wanted to. You would never actually have to land on a planet. That there's enough to do out in space, you know, dogfighting and whatnot. So I, I think this, the, the content's there. It, it's just very weird. And, and this kind of game, you would expect, you know, a strong... Uh, player interaction between players in a big community, but it's it's they they keep pressing that it is a single player game specifically. It, it's multiplayer in the sense that there are elements that are persistent and shared. Like for example, when you discover a new planet, it will record you as the person who discovered it, and you can actually change the name to whatever you want. And then if someone else finds that same planet, it will tell them, "Hey, you know, this person found it. This is what it's called." And um, some elements are, are saved and, and persistent, others aren't. Like, for example, if you're out down there mining and you shoot a hole through a rock, they were saying that that's really not going to be persistent. It, it's just, you know, it, that's not really a meaningful change that people need to see. But if you go and, like, blow up the space station float, you know, uh, in orbit, then that player that finds that planet later on is going to have trouble docking and landing because that space station isn't there. So you, you can affect the world with other players, but you can't interact them with directly. So, you know, I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out. There's not a whole lot of information on, you know, how resources work or how faction standing works and, and whatnot. But, you know, it, it's certainly an interesting game. And I hope that, you know, especially with the release date actually right around the corner that we get some more concrete details, you know, in the near future. Yeah, this, I think Zell's question is, is and the one you had, Pokey, is really what I'm looking at on that one. I, I've, I've not followed the game very closely. I'm very, I'm aware of it, and I'm doing a little bit of quick research here on it. That's that looks like it has a lot of really cool potential, and I kind of in my mind liken it to a uh, of like a, a really open world Minecraft like experience. You know, it's a very exploration driven. It is very clearly what they're going for. What I was a little surprised at is the more I learn about it, and kind of you know based on what you're saying and what little I can pick up on the web about it, it's I thought there would be a lot more player to player connection you know or at least something rudimentary even if it's not pvp I, I you know i would really like to see some sort of cooperative exploration cooperative you know like pve type stuff i think that's the one thing that i'm a little bit leery of if it, if it doesn't have any of those elements yeah i mean usually multiplayer is kind of what brings variety to, to the gameplay but uh they, they they seem very strong in saying that you know if you want that go to a different game because we're not interested in, in delivering that kind of experience which you know like you said makes you kind of leery because it, you know we're obviously used to multiplayer games particularly those that are rather in large scale so when you come across a game that's large scale but very much not a multiplayer game it's it makes you kind of look twice, but you know, I, like I said, it, it it looks very interesting. We'll see. You know, I'm I'm not sure if I'll pick it up release date, but uh, it does look very interesting, and, and hopefully, you know, we can get some more about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could definitely have uh, games that are pretty pretty easy to work with that are uh, you know not necessarily big multiplayer pieces, uh, that, but that usually means that you have to have a really really well crafted story or a lot of architecture built into the game to support you know kind of those at those aspects if you don't have players you gotta have something in the game like the ai or npcs or something that you interact with otherwise it'll get it, it you know be like a big empty warehouse yeah i mean it's i worry that it's gonna be the kind of game that you pick up and it's really cool and neat and like wow it's such a big universe let's fly around it's gonna be great but it won't hold your attention very long because while the worlds can be unique every time, the gameplay may not change that much, which is really what's 
the important part there that if you're doing the same thing on different planets, you're still doing the same thing. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Yep. No, I think you hit the nail on the head. What, what's the, uh, who's the developer of the game? What's the name of the developer? I think it's hello games is the name, but I'm not sure. Um, let me see here. Yeah. It's, it's by a developer called hello games. I think it, they're, they're actually a pretty small group. It's it's almost kind of like an indie developer that just happened to be kind of going mainstream in the sense that it's it's being covered as as heavily as it is, um, and being released on PC and PS4 from the looks of it. Okay, all right, that should be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it's if anything, you know, you, you kind of get the benefits of a more indie type developer, which is always nice. You know, uh, they tend to react a bit better to player uh, feedback and whatnot. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, I think it's. It's going to be cool. If anything, it's a neat proof of concept. Proof of concept for you know how big can we make a universe? It's just a matter of the gameplay. You'll actually back it up and keep it interesting. One interesting thing that was kind of strange is that the developer said that they thought it would be great to have uh, VR support for this, but they're not going to do it, I guess, because they want to focus on the exploration initially. But they kind of hint that they might move that direction in the future, which is. You know, you'd think that, that PlayStation would really be pushing for that, particularly with their VR headset coming out later this year, that they would want, you know, particularly very nice-looking titles to have support for that. So Yeah, but VR is a fad, so. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I could see, I mean, I, I, any kind of big open-world game, VR tends to give you some, some pretty cool options if it's implemented in a, or at least synchronized in the game pretty well. So I think that... Uh, I think something like this would be pretty cool uh, if it were VR. But like I said, knowing very little about the game, like in terms of the internals of it, kind of hard to say. But like conceptually, I like the idea. I just for something like like this, it would be for me just the way I play. I think it'd be really cool if you had a little bit a little bit more player interaction, uh, social interaction. Uh, you know, that would be kind of neat. But I, I am kind of keen to see see how this game continues to shape up. And who knows? I mean, it may come into the future where people are saying, you know, hey, we love the game, but they're crying for some way to to play with their friends and, and run around the planet. And that might be something that they can look at in the future. But, you know, setting expectations at, at launch, it's it's definitely a one-player game. So, you know, that's all there is to it. All right, I think we'll uh, move on from that. Uh, Zell, you've been playing that new uh, Black Desert game, right? I am playing it now. Could you tell us more about it? I'm having fun with it. It's exciting. Um, Are you? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, what was your question? I, I was just—I'm not sure what your experience with other um, MMORPGs are, are like. Is if you any comparisons, uh, differences? Um, the well, the the amount of kind of the movement and interaction is and much closer to a single player game in terms of um, can I that I can actually kind of I, I I do a lot of like running around over roofs and and stuff like that, and MMOs tend to be. Um, kind try and keep you kind of contained um, a lot more than I feel like this game does. Um, the graphics are way better. Um, the gameplay is probably pretty close to a standard for your fantasy MMO. Um, but uh, you know, I've been having fun with it. So um, the nice thing is I don't have to pay a subscription for it. It's buy once and play it forever. Hey Zell, could you? It, I, I am. Very much not. For, I'm familiar with the name of the game, and that's about it. Is it uh, kind of your Diablo s clicker, or is it more of a like a third like third person action game? I mean, if you could, just a little bit about like the context of the game, what's the the story or the purpose of the game? Um, 
Well, I mean, it's it, it, like it's it's your fairly basic third person. You've got an abilities bar on the bottom. Um, you know, your standard fare of of fantasy classes um, and and quests, and that's that's pretty much what I've got from it right now. There's kind of this weird. There's this indication that you might be evil uh, going through the storyline, but I I don't really know what it, what's up with it yet. So um, it's hard for me to comment on that, but. Yeah, I mean, if you've if you've ever played anything like um, in the realm of World of Warcraft or some various clone thereof, um, I mean, that's that's kind of the vein that it comes from. Yeah. Okay. Like, Is it, oh, I'm sorry, Pokey. Please. Oh, I'm just looking at videos right now, and it kind of looks like it's like Zell said, kind of your standard over-the-shoulder um, third-person sort of gameplay. Um, I would say it differs from, say, like Final Fantasy or World of Warcraft, and that you aren't necessarily specifically targeting a single enemy and then beating on it. This particular video is a mage kind of uh, dodging around and casting AoE magic spells on a group of enemies. So I would say in some ways it reminds me a bit of the game Vindictus, for those who are familiar. It's a little more action-y than tactical, like some of the other RPGs out there. So maybe a little bit more like, uh, was it uh, Dragon Age then? Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, a lot more... There's less specific targeting, and there's more of, you know, just firing in a direction and stuff like that, whereas you can actually dodge and, and moves and stuff like that. Wildstar actually is very um, is very good at that as well, um, though probably not on the same level. Wildstar I played for a while, and that's, that's free-to-play now, and it is, again, very, uh, very AoE-based. There's not a lot of direct targeting. Um, this kind of has like a targeted assist thing for ranged things, but you're not really selecting a target as much as you are pointing it in a general direction. Okay. Is it uh, just? I'm sorry, man. Last question. It, do you get into the stories in these RPGs, like you know that kind of stuff? Does that does that seem like that's actually a well fleshed out thing in this? Um, I haven't gotten far enough in the story to comment. Okay. No, no. Just curious. That's that's actually one of the things that like I don't, I I enjoy some of those single single player RPGs, but I usually kind of like more of the story driven ones, or at least I mean this this is this is an MMO. Okay, so not so much then. Or I guess there's like a big overarching kind of theme to it, like you know, <coughs> excuse me, some uh, probably the story is very much linked to the uh, the rail or the you know like the quest lines you're on. I suspect, presumably, yeah. I mean, it it seems like everyone starts in the same place right now, though. I don't know if there's. I know there is PvP. I don't know what form it will take, though. So I don't know if I can just start attacking fellow players at some point or what. I think it's an end level thing. Okay. All right. Who puts this one out? Um, this is actually by a Korean company, and then it's been ported by a European company uh, for uh, U.S. and EU. I think I'm trying to remember what the I know the the company that did runs the EU and U.S. version is like Daum Games, D A U M, and then I don't. I, it's like uh, what's the name of the original company? It's like Perfect Abyss or something like that. I don't know. It's Pearl Abyss is the original producer. Close enough. Yeah. So the, the the videos I'm looking at, it all seems to be single player. Are is there like group combat, like a party system, or is it just kind of guys yeah. running around? Yeah, by I've themselves? been partied up with my friend. Okay. Already. And how does that play out? Is like are there good support roles between each other, or is it just kind of a hack and slash for everybody? I haven't had a healer, so I don't know. Okay, so there are healers though. You can kind of have that classic, yes. you know, archetype. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I will, I, just on a total side note, based on what you just said, there the hack and slash pokey. You know what I've been like really jonesing for is some good old fashioned gauntlet, like overhead four player, like you know just smashing 
you know, fireballs going everywhere, the whole, you know, that, that whole thing. I used, to, I used to love those games. And the, the ones they came out with for the, uh, like, the up, upgrade or the update they did for, the, like, the, the PS3, like, way many, many moons ago, that was a heck of a lot of fun, like a great party game to play. Uh, just to, total rabbit hole went down there when you said hack and slash, but that's, uh, that's like, something I actually kind of really, really wish I could get a hold of, like, is it, you know, a really kind of a really nicely done, uh, you know, kind of two to four player, just like slugfest game. Have you tried Diablo three for uh PS4 or PC? I have not. I thought that was like all like, uh, well, I, you know, I haven't played Diablo in like years, man. It, and it was all like just mouse clicky stuff on the computer. It didn't seem like it was really that fun. Uh, I would say that Diablo three is a lot different than Diablo two in that it's, more simplified and I think it's more about blowing a lot of shit up and just you know a, a lot of chaos rather than super clicky all over the place so I, that, that might be kind of something you might be interested in I, I know that uh, they have supported Diablo 3 extremely well um, it's not subscription based but they release updates pretty regularly I know that they do the whole season thing um, and then they have I think recently actually released a whole new area like it's not just you know missions in the same world they've actually added a new whole area to, to play around in so you know yeah, that might be worth your time I know you can pick up the uh, Reaper of Souls expansion with the whole original game for pretty cheap I'm not sure how much it runs for on on PSN but it might be worth looking into for you okay yeah that's a, that's a good tip man I'll put that on my uh list of things to pick up along, you know, as soon as I get back and download the division. Yeah. Division <laughs> that's coming out. What? On Tuesday, I guess, huh? I think so. I, it's uh, with the eighth or the ninth in the U S is that right? Yeah. I think it's, it might be a day earlier for Xbox. They've got like a free day or something like that, but for, for PlayStation, it's going to be on, uh, on the eighth. So that'll be Tuesday this Tuesday. I know you can pre download it if you, uh, you know, uh, bought it online or whatever. So that's that's definitely nice. Kind of helps take the load off the servers. I think the download's been available since the sixth or something like that. So if you did get the online version, definitely worth picking that up to avoid the the long download. You know, when everyone else is trying to do it on Tuesday. Yeah, you know, I I it looks like they've released uh, at least the name or the schedule for the first three uh, DLCs coming out. I guess they're going with a kind of a similar route of Destiny in terms of like base game plus. Uh, sort of chunks of chunks of area or gameplay as DLCs. Yeah, from the looks of what I saw, it's going to be three paid expansions, and then there's two smaller free updates that are coming out. I know one of which includes uh, player trading, and I think some other small mission stuff to add, you know, weapons and whatnot. And then the big expansions, they kind of outlined um, approximately kind of what's going to be going on, where you're going to be going, and like one of them is you go down to the sewers and there's a whole thing going on down there. So I'm guessing that the paid ones are kind of story expansions, like you said, kind of like destiny. Um, and then the free updates are more for just minor features and whatnot. So that's, you know, we'll see. I'm, I think that the season pass includes all of that for the first year for like 30 bucks, but I'm not going to jump on that until I, you know, see the actual base game. Yeah. That, that was kind of my thoughts on it too. Uh, you know, I, it's, I used to get really, uh, really frustrated with the concept of like base game plus DLCs and that now it equal the game you used to just buy, you know? Uh, but that's definitely just the method that, uh, that game companies are using right now or, right? and probably won't be changing that too, too soon. Um, random question. Did you guys see the agent or the division agent orange agent origins, uh, videos that they released? 
Is it the live action one? Yeah, there's four of them, and they, I thought they were extremely well well done. I think I might have seen all of them combined into one video. Was it like an hour long for the whole the whole set? Uh, it's maybe about forty, you know, like thirty five or forty oh, minutes. Okay, that, that sounds about right. Yeah, it tells it, it get, basically gives the origin of the, of four agents, and they all come. It, it's basically the same story from four different uh, perspectives, and they all come together in the last one uh, when they all link up and have like a big firefight with a bunch of prisoners and stuff. I, I, I thought they were extremely well done, actually. I was actually pretty impressed. The the, the frozen pizza one, I I kind of rolled my eyes at because it was kind of kind of hokey but the rest of them were were very badass and and, and pretty serious and kind of gave you good insight into you know everything that's going on in you know the world of the division and, and showing you know how these people the lives they were leading before they were activated and, and they're kind of their path to you know like you said this this firefight and then ultimately the rest of the game yeah it looked pretty good they've got a pretty solid marketing campaign going on with this one i mean you i mean ubisoft does that very well but uh, I am I am pretty intrigued to to see how this goes. Uh, you know, like I, I've heard it's interesting. I wouldn't say mixed reviews, but it really depends on your perspective about what you enjoy in the game. Uh, I think drives some of the uh, the discussion about the in the internal gameplay. I think people are extremely jaded from their experiences with uh, Destiny and all of the the frustration that came with that. And I think that there's a lot of similarities to that can be drawn between the release of that game and this game. Uh, even within the gameplay itself, is, is some similarities. So I think that people are having a little bit of uh, PTSD in, in some regard to, you know, they're extreme. They, they're interested in what's going on with the division. It looks good, but I think they're also being extremely cautious in terms of. Uh, you know what to expect because you know they, they have had bad experiences in the past with other franchises. No, I think that's a really good uh, a really good observation, and that was kind of what I'd heard uh, from some folks, uh, like long, like really hardcore FPS guys, and they were they were like, "eh, it feels kind of like Destiny, but you know, some of it good, some of it bad." The PvP part was a little bit sketchy for them. I actually like now on the same hand. Other guys uh, that are other folks really that that I've played other games with, they had a really fun experience with Destiny, acknowledging that it's you know it, there's only so many things you can do with a first person shooter. In all in all fairness, there's and particularly in that setting, it's not a fantastical or uber sci fi setting, so there's not a lot of you know crazy crazy physics and, and kind of mobility skills that you can put into the game like you'd see like with a like a, like called like black ops modern warfare kind of thing where guys are running up walls and stuff um but they said it was it was very solid very very well put together looked really good uh the, and everybody generally tends to think the story looks pretty solid the uh i get they call it the dark zone right that's the pvp area right that's correct yeah the that was where i heard really that's that's really the crux of where i hear a lot of the uh uh, the differing of opinion, you know, some, uh, I think a lot of people like the idea of the dark zone in that uh, you, you can choose to, to have PVP or not, you know, and there's, there's some tactics involved in that. There's some social aspects involved in that. Um, what I'm, what I'm not real clear on. And I think what I heard some people talking about is that it's probably a little too easy to grief people right now, or there's, I mean, you know, the deal, like you get, you get a, you know, this many players in a game, everybody's going to extreme, you know, go to the extremes to figure out how many different ways you can mess with people. And I, I think that was kind of one of the, one of the thoughts I, I uh, one of the things that I got from people is that it was a little bit 
too easy to the point where it kind of broke the feel of the game of, of how, just how easy it was to mess with people uh, in kind of really, really like uh, cheesy ways, you know, like just the minute you enter, enter into the dark zone gate, I guess it's like a big Sally Porter gate system that you go through. Uh, there'd be like a pack of dudes, like literally at the doorway. And as soon as you walked into the doorway, you're getting blapped by guys. Um, so that's, you know, that kind of stuff's a little bit shaky. Yeah, I didn't personally run into the the, the door camping like you you said, but I, I know that people have been complaining about that. But you're you're right that there are ways you can kind of cheese the system. Like my brother, for example, spec'd his character to be basically entirely uh, DPS, particularly with the uh, the gadgets and whatnot. And so there's a group of four guys going to extract, and he basically threw a grenade, dropped a sticky bomb, and tossed out a turret and killed all of them within maybe one and a half seconds. Like there was no way they could have possibly retaliated so i mean he basically went and, and ganked four guys by himself and there was <laughs> i hate to say no skill involved in it because he basically just the way his character respect allowed him to basically wipe out the extraction area because they all have to clump up on a small tether to extract their gear out of with the uh, helicopter and so you know if, if you're in that group and you get obliterated by one guy who happened to be specced for extreme dps i mean there's nothing you can do to stop it and some people may like that other people may not i think everyone likes the idea of this oh well, i can stab people in the back until they're the ones getting stabbed in the back so i i can see where the varying opinions are coming it's definitely got a a very extreme you know e, uh, new, you know uh, eve online sort of feel to it that you know, you you really can't trust anybody, and you can kind of get screwed in a way that you have no way of controlling whatsoever, and like, it can you know boil some emotions for some people. You know, I I don't I don't necessarily mind that kind of stuff. You know, if you if you actually spec your character out to do that, that's fine, as long as there is a way to uh, to like proactively counter or some you know like some, a way that you can kind of deal with it. Uh, even if it's something along the lines of, and I, from a tactical standpoint, that might be one of the ones where it's like, you know, maybe you don't extract all your stuff at one time. You have to take turns, which, but what that does, you know, it extends your, your vulnerability time, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I could see that, that kind of thing going on. So the one, uh, the one thing that actually I think sounded probably the, uh, you know, it sounded like they needed to really figure out was kind of the, um, the the aggro mechanic or the hostility mechanic. So if you go rogue and you you attack another agent in the dark zone, you know you get pinged for a little while, but then there's a cooldown on it. And so it, there's I've heard several anecdotal instances of you know a pokey I, I see player pokey you know pokey and he slays me as I'm trying to extract my gear. He takes my stuff. Thirty minutes later, I see him. He's watching me trying to extract more stuff. I can't shoot him because he's not red anymore. And if, so if I try to, to take the guy out, uh, and I know he's just sitting there waiting for me to like throw the flare up, what, you know, how do you deal with that? That's, that was probably the most consistent, um, beef that I heard with people is it really dealt with, uh, you know, uh, I guess the, uh, the, the, I don't know, I don't know what to call it, I mean, whatever the mechanic is where if you go rogue and then, you know, it cools down after a while and you, you can clearly identify that a guy is, the dude that just shot you half an hour ago, what do you do with that? They should yeah. let the person who is a person who's engaged you before should remain hostile to you, even if they're not hostile to everybody else. That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty nice one. I like that. You wanna know who came up with it? Eve Online? No, it's in the new Star Citizen feature. It's in the latest patch. Um I Eve has something I think a little similar to, but it's um kill rights. 
and that's kind of that's transferable and everything. It's kind of it's kind of like a contract agreement almost. But um, yeah, no, the the new Star Citizen patch has a hostility mechanic that um, will keep the person who killed you hostile to you, so you can get them back. Well, it's I don't even know so so much as get them back, but you get put in a really bad spot of if if you know that if you know they're sitting there laying in wait for you, you can't actually engage them because then you become you go rogue and all that other good good stuff. But yeah, that that would actually be a really really elegant fix to it. I think so, something on, on those kind of those kind of lines of if not like the kill rights, but some kind of some kind of mechanic where maybe that like anybody that shoots at you in the dark zone like that, like they stay red to you and maybe the people that you're squatted up with until you break the squad. That would actually be pretty cool. Yeah, I, I can definitely say that that sort of situation happened. I mean, there were instances where I knew the guy was going to try to, you know, blow me up as soon as I extracted. So I've actually preemptively attacked him because I know he's going to come after me and then just take the risk to go rogue, extract the stuff, and then just, you know, run and try to hide while like, people are chasing me. It's You almost have to kind of be aggressive to be defensive in, in some cases. But I think that, like you said, some sort of, you know, reputation sort of deal where you have the ability to track people that have been, you know, continually aggressive towards you and have the ability to actually fight back in cases where, you know, you know they're camping you and it's it's kind of BS if you can't do anything about opening yourself up, you know. Now, isn't there isn't there some kind of like a, almost like a standings, like factional standings type thing where that stays with you? And, and I I think it's more and it it affects like uh, like how you can work with the merchants in the game. Um, I'm not sure about that. I do know that if you do like okay, so for example, to unlock new skills, you have to do missions, and then to unlock side upgrades for those skills, you have to do kind of uh, public events for Destiny reference, where you go around and you do little mini missions just out in the open world, and you collect materials, and it's either materials for the uh, security wing, the tech wing, or the medic wing, and then you can bring those materials back, and that kind of acts as kind of a pseudo-standing with that wing, and then that allows you to level up your abilities in, in more unique ways, and ultimately kind of unlock the, the top-tier version of it, which is the, the best version. So in that regard, you have to go out and do specific side missions. So like if you want to upgrade your medical wing, you have to go do, you know, medical side missions where you, you know, for example, uh, stop a bunch of looters from from breaking into a uh, an ambulance and then you get your your materials, bring those back and that's how you level up your your medical wing. Okay. No, that that sounds pretty cool. Uh, I'm not sure in terms of PvP and how that works. Um there are dark zone credits, which is basically doing anything in the dark zone. Uh, generates a Dark Zone rank, and certain uh, items from Dark Zone vendors are gated by that rank. And then you also uh, generate Dark Zone credits, which you get by killing other players, killing rogues, uh, killing PvE enemies, that sort of thing. Now, the, the takeaway from that is that if you die in the Dark Zone, you lose uh, credits and potentially rank. So you can level down in that sense if you die repeatedly, so you really don't want to die. If you die while rogue, the penalty is significantly higher. So, you know, there's definitely that risk-reward of you have to make sure that if you're going to go rogue and, and gank this guy's stuff, that you better make sure you survive until your timer's up, because if you don't, you're going to you know level down and basically lose more than you gain by killing him. That that must have been what I was thinking. I knew that there was it was not necessarily a penalty, but you you, you were at a you could be at a significant disadvantage when you went rogue. Like uh, I, that that explained it a lot better than what how I had heard it previously. 
Yeah, and the thing is that the higher rank you get and the more Dark Zone credits you have in your inventory, the, sorry, yeah, yeah when you die, the penalty is greater. So basically, if you want to buy, uh, I think they call it like a superior weapon, which is kind of like an exotic weapon. In Destiny, it's like a top tier, you know, the highest you can buy. Those, it's a lot of Dark Zone credits to get that. So as you're trying to build up your bank account to get there, death is a larger and larger penalty. So the more you hang on to it, the greater that risk becomes. So you have to kind of gauge, you know, am I going to push it and try to, you know, go in for one more run to get a few more points to get that weapon? But if I die, it's going to set me back, you know, two hours worth of effort. No, that's, uh, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, that's that's not a bad way to do it. Uh, it just adds, it adds kind of a nice risk or reward to it and stuff like that. So, should be should be pretty cool. Now, you know, I have heard, like I said, generally most people I, I've dealt with like they enjoy the kind of the PVE aspect of it, uh, and I think it's just some questions about like them refining the PvP component and sort of the dark zone mechanics will be be pretty cool. A um, d- couple of the speculative things I've heard about in terms of you know they're they're really doing a good job of fleshing out like the New York City environs really well, and I think that's really what the DLCs will focus on and. And sort of the natural progression is as they as they if assuming the game is successful, by the way, assuming the game continues to do well over time, uh, that if they were looking for either major expansions or other things, it would, you know, one New York City is a big place, but they could easily hop it to uh, other cities and locations with similar mechanics uh, that give you some different aspects of things. So I think they're, they've set up a really nice uh, game like like game context, if you will, which should be pretty cool. And, you know, as you said, I think, I think they took a lot of cues and probably lessons learned from destiny, uh, which is, is probably good and bad. It's, it's good in that they are probably seeing some things that worked and, and some ways to, to not do things, but it's probably bad because there's a little bit of that hint of, you know, a really grindy kind of, kind of game like destiny can get. So, uh, like I said, I, I, I'm very eager to play it. It'll be another few weeks before I can get home and, and actually try it out. So I'll have to live vicariously through you and, and figure out how the how the game goes. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to content for me. You know, how much content is there going to be? How many hours of gameplay am I going to get before I reach that point where I'm grinding for the sake of grinding and really not getting anything out of it? And the folks over at Reddit actually have been doing a little bit of data mining because, like I said, you can download the game right now. You just can't play it. And it looks like uh, there are 26 main storyline missions from the sounds of it, assuming that number is accurate. And I'm not sure if you played the beta, but I imagine a mission, quote unquote, is similar to like the stadium mission where it's about a half an hour, almost kind of like a a Destiny strike-like gameplay. So if you assume about a half an hour per mission and there's 26, so you're looking at like 13 hours of gameplay in the missions, on top of you know multiple difficulties with better you know drops and, and whatnot, you know I, I think you depending on how you know things vary and how you know different it feels each time you do it, it could provide a decent amount of, of uh, content. I mean, as long as we can avoid the issue with you know Destiny, where you beat the game in you know less than a week and you shrug your shoulders going, "What the hell do I do now?" I think the game will do pretty well. Now, I know one thing you did mention is that. Um, New York is a big place, and I'm pretty sure that the Reddit guys found that there were uh, maps or at least call-outs for areas in Brooklyn where missions can take place. So 
I think Manhattan is where the the initial story is going to take place, and then subsequently those DLC story expansions are going to be, you know, Brooklyn and the other areas in New York City. So there's there's definitely places they can go, particularly if they try to stick to a a one to one scale. I mean, there's it's it's a huge place that they could really let you crawl all over and and experience the city, you know, firsthand. Yeah, no, I I think that's that probably sounds about like their. Uh kind of the, the roadmap that they're laying out. And if I, I'm just checking it out right now, it looks like the first three DLCs have been named. It's uh, subtraction, multiplication, and addition. Those are the, those are the names or the titles of, of the three, three planned DLCs they have for, it looks like, I think maybe all of them, well, at least two of them come out this year, like post the game launch. So they've, they've already got like a pretty good schedule laid out for these things. Yeah, and they're presenting it as, you know, uh, as a year one sort of deal. So again, kind of pulling from Destiny, they're, they're obviously having plans of, of making this franchise last for a while. I don't think they've dropped any, you know, ambitious thing like, you know, 10-year plan, because we all know how that goes. But uh, yeah, from the looks of it, they have, I got the roadmap here, they got the, the two free updates. One's going to be in April, one in May. That's the Incursion and the Conflict expansion. And then there is, uh, I guess, the Underground Survival and Last Stand. Those are the paid ones. And that's coming out in the first one in June, and then the second in summer, and then the third in winter. So, yeah, you're looking at you know a fair amount of content coming out this year for the game, some of it free. And then, obviously, moving into next year, you'll have a little bit more to, to play around with. Yeah, it's, like I said, looking pretty good. Uh, and I will be very keen to, to see how that goes. There are there any other uh, any other games or anything coming out here in the near future you guys are kind of got your eye on? One thing I've been playing around with uh, a game I picked up quite a while ago called Dying Light. Dying Lights by uh, the same guys that did uh, the Dead Island series, but it it, it takes place in uh, a fictitious city known as Haran, and it's you know killing zombies. Uh, you're running around, but there's parkour involved, and that actually is pretty cool. It's got a very solid parkour system, very solid multiplayer system. I love the co-op in it. It's it's this big open world crawling all over the city, jumping from rooftops and, and killing zombies. It's a great way to, to kill the time. And they actually released uh, an expansion called The Following recently. And I've just kind of just touched the, the expansion a little bit, but it definitely pulled me back to the game. And, you know, you can get the whole, the whole setup, I think, for like... Shit, like 60 bucks includes the original game, the expansion, and all the DLC season pass, that sort of deal. Uh, so yeah, I've been playing that. It's it's been pretty cool. You know, it, it's it's good to see that they're still supporting it. They've got some graphical updates. Um, if you're a fan of zombie games and and just kind of want to run around and crack head op- heads open, it's it's definitely worth taking a look at. That sounds like kind of cool. Uh, let's see. I'm I don't really have a whole lot on my plate right now, other than uh, uh, kind of the, the the stacked up library of things that I want to get to when I get back would be. Uh, uh, the division continue playing a little bit of World of Tanks because that will probably be a go-to uh, for me for a while. I just kind of enjoy that enjoy that style of play. Um, I I was very disheartened uh, about a week ago. I was actually in the airport uh, flying out two weeks ago, and that's when I saw that uh, I didn't realize it, but XCOM Two is not coming out on the console. I was very very aggravated by that. Because I was really looking forward to uh, to the next round of XCOM on, on the PS4, but that that does not appear to be anywhere in the in the works. And, and apparently, the studio they were they were like they they were basically like, look, we have no plans. They they were 
not even coy with it at all. They were like, we have no plans to, to produce a console version of it. So I was, I was a little bit, a little bit aggravated by that because uh, I was really looking forward to trying to get my hands on it. Because XCOM 1 was available on console, right? Yeah, it was. It was, it was really a really good translation of that style. You know, those style of games sometimes are a little iffy when you uh, move into like a game pad or game, con- game controller setup. But they did it really well. It, it worked really nicely. Um, so I was kind of hoping that they were going to do that again. But, yeah, that does not appear to be the case. Yeah, that's a real shame because I was kind of looking uh, looking at XCOM. I've never played it before, but that style of gameplay is, is interesting. I've played similar games that were more you know fantasy-based, but uh, see a sci-fi one looked pretty good. And I've heard nothing but great things about it. But, uh, yeah, it's a real shame that they, they wouldn't support the console, even though they've done it in, in previous versions of it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed XCOM. It's it's your it's your standard, uh, well, not standard, but it's a a really really solid benchmark kind of tactical uh, tactical RPG type game, uh, turn based. Obviously, really well done. Good storyline. A lot of uh, you know kind of base building aspects and some RPG pieces in there because your your soldiers like your little XCOM characters. They like they can and do die and they die a lot. Uh, so the longer you keep them, the better they get. But when they die, it's like permadeath. So you you know you're managing your your little platoon of of, uh, of XCOM soldiers and stuff, and it's it's pretty cool. There's a lot of neat things that you can do with it. Uh, it's also a it can be brutally hard. That was and I figured that's something you'd like about it. You're really into the uh, real high end pain threshold games, uh, and that this one and XCOM is uh, particularly at the Kind of the higher level, in game level type stuff. It is uh, notoriously tough. Not not like you know, not bloodborne tough, but it's 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 pretty much up there. Yeah, and it's it's basically like a turn based tactical grids type uh, gameplay, right? Yeah, it is. It's it's generally yeah, it's all going to be turn based, and it's uh, I don't remember if they use grids or hexes, but yeah, that's tiles basically. Uh, and and it, they also do a pretty good job of entering of uh, working in three dimensions too, because you've got a lot of different vertical options. Like when you get about midway through the game, you can research enough things to get things like uh, jetpacks and different drones that that hover or fly, and you can really uh, do a lot of neat things with uh, positioning. And that's really that's really where that game uh, gave you a lot of options because the weapon suites and the uh, the character like the the class the character class. Suites gave you a lot of different tactical options, but the environment in the game uh, was extremely well done in terms of how you use cover, how you use flanking advantage, how you use vertical advantage, things like that. Uh, it was really, really, uh, really well, well done, and it gave you a lot of kind of three-dimensional chess kind of things going on. So from that aspect, I mean, like I said, it, it's a fantastic game. It's, it's really fun, and even people that don't generally like turn-based games they generally kind of, I mean, most people I've found, you know, like, like XCOM, it's, it's pretty solid. It looks really good too. So I, that's one of the reasons I was kind of disappointed in it, but you know, I mean, I'm sure there'll be some other things coming out at some point that, that may match it, but you know, we'll see, but that's definitely a, that's, I think it's definitely a lost opportunity to have that on a, a, a current gen console. Yeah, absolutely. Another game coming out and it's speaking of hard games, looks like Dark Souls three is coming out March 24th. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to pick that one up right away since I haven't finished Bloodborne yet, but uh, Dark Souls games and, and the Souls games in general are always really solid. So 
I'll be looking forward to uh, seeing the reviews on that one, see if it's worth uh, diving in yet again to, you know, pain and suffering and overall hating myself. <laughs> now, isn't, no, I'm going to show my ignorance here. Isn't Bloodborne a part of the Dark Souls world? Yes, um, in a way that's not obvious, but still connected. Um, basically, Demon Souls, the three Dark Souls games, and then Bloodborne are, are all connected in in various forms of fashion. You won't see it as you know, like, oh, I'm in Dark Souls, and let me go over to this other country, and now I'm in Bloodborne. It, it's not like that. It's connected more in the lore, but uh, yeah, it is it is part of an overarching universe that uh, it's kind of part of the deeper storyline, but but definitely uh, one of the same. That's cool. But I think the probably, I mean, I was tracking like Dark Souls three is coming out. I, I've only messed around with Dark Souls two a little bit, and that was de- that's definitely a something I did not have the uh, the ability to invest in enough to to really get past that game. Uh, it's it's a brutally tough game, but it, it, I can see where the attraction is on it. Um, I think you know from a one of the games I do kind of have my eye on is Overwatch. That's a shooter game coming out. Uh, I think it might be a PS4 exclusive, uh, but it looks like kind of your... Uh, Overwatch you know, is definitely for PC. Are you PC thinking PC? of uh, I, Battleborn? Because Battleborn is PS4 exclusive, I'm pretty sure. Because okay. Overwatch, I think, is all is Xbox, PlayStation, and definitely PC. Blizzard likes PC. Okay. No, I, I had it... I had a, you probably, you're right, I probably had it confused, but I, I have looked at some of the Overwatch stuff quite a bit, and it looks, looks pretty fun. It looks like a, you know, kind of a neat arena-style first-person shooter. Yeah, and it's Blizzard, so they usually put put out pretty good stuff. So, I've got my eye on that one. I know Zell's been eagerly awaiting uh, beta access. Did you ever get a code? Or are they still no? You they out? still haven't. <laughs> you know, I've only put like thousands, like at least a thousand dollars into that company over the years, and they can't even give me a beta key for which game? Overwatch. Overwatch. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, that one looks good. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, Battleborn, which just I actually thought was the same game for a while, uh, but it's definitely not. But, uh, Battleborn is by Gearbox, so Borderlands guys. I was in the beta; it was freaking hilarious. So you know it, it, that's going to be a good one too. Oh yeah, okay. I'm looking at both Battleborn and Overwatch side by side. They do have they do have a little bit kind of the same cell shady, uh, cartoony kind of kind of vibe to them, but. I think Battleborn apparently is a, a bit more uh, a bit more humorous. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think Overwatch is purely uh, PvP, and then Battleborn definitely has both PvP and PvE elements to it. So they're 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 definitely not the same game, but they again, yeah, the art style is is kind of similar. Have you guys tried Doom yet? Oh man, I saw I, I kind of was like whatever about it, and then I saw the trailers. I'm like, uh, I kind of actually want to check that out like it looks it looks really fun because that's coming up pretty soon too right yeah i, I think I, I thought i thought they had beta beta yeah, right? might be out it looks like final release dates may 13th so yeah pretty quick here yeah there, there's a lot of there's a lot of in-game video floating around that you can kind of take you know keep an eye on it looks it looks pretty over the top. Uh, it should that should be uh, kind of a throwback. It'd be a pretty fun game to play. I bet. Although I, I don't know, I, I it's it's becoming increasingly difficult to gauge games until you get your hands on them. There was a time, like as I show my age here, but many many moons ago, you could actually you legitimately could look at a game uh, from either an ad 
or just really the pictures of in-game footage and stuff like that, and you could get a much better sense of how the game would be. Uh, now, it's really easy to make a game look good. <laughs> so it, it's, a little hard, it's a little hard to tell. Well, especially when you have a lot of overlap between games coming out that are similar enough that it, it really comes down to the details that, that show you if it's going to be good or not. I mean, you, how many shooters do you see out there that are, you know, hack and slash gore everywhere? I mean, Doom looks really pretty, um, but, you know, I mean, it, it, it looks exciting, but, you know, that there's lots of games that provide that. It's a matter of, you know, is this worth my time over the other ones that I've, you know, uh, walked past before in the, in the before? So I probably won't pick that one up on, on release, but uh, I'll keep an eye on it. If the reviews come out really good, I, I, I think I'll probably jump on it, because if anything, it's fun just to sit down and, and just have Carnage for a couple hours rather than having to think too much like a lot of the other games I play. There's a, there's the only... Yeah, no, I'm totally with you on that one too, man. The, the only other game that's out there, and I think it's, it's going to be an Xbox game, is called ReCore. It looks pretty... looks kind of neat, almost Fallout-like. Um, Except your dog's a robot dog, not a, like a German Shepherd. Uh, that might be kind of interesting to check out. But I am not an Xbox guy, so I, I may have to take a pass on that one. We'll have to ask Bate what he thinks, uh, since he's got his he, resident Xbox weenie. I, I he? think he's the only one here that actually owns an Xbox. Yeah, I thought he was like a like a Wii U or Nintendo DS guy. Well, you know they they make Wii U's for the younger kids, so I can see why he'd be into it. But uh... <laughs> okay. Touche. <laughs> I like that. But yeah, this 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 record looks kind of kind of interesting. But yeah, I'm, I'm not going to buy an Xbox for unless there's a really good reason for it. So I, I'll probably pass on this one as well. Yeah, I, I am. I, I certainly am not at the point where I, I will buy a game system just to play a game. There has to be something pretty uh, pretty over the top. I acknowledge that Zell was the uh, was was the person here who showed enough faith in Dust Five One Four. That it was going to be a groundbreaking, ten-year-long extravaganza, and he purchased a, a PlayStation. I acknowledge that. By the way, the reason that I don't buy game game systems for one game is because Zell bought a PS3 first. <laughs> hey, I, I, it was worth it. No, I, I mean, let's be realistic. We all had a lot of fun in that game, and it was it. It truly was an, a neat, a neat gaming slash uh, social experience. But it's. It will be. I will be interested to see how CCP does from afar, from now on. Yep, approaching that one very cautiously. Uh, <laughs> no need to go over the reason why at this point. Yeah, no. I mean, it, there, there's a a lot of neat games out there that are that are coming out, and I, I'm. I, th- this is one of these where it'd be really cool to just uh, talk to a couple developers from different studios and really just understand like where they see the trends in gaming going. And that actually might be something we can work on for uh, maybe one of our uh, one of our subsequent shows or something like that. We've got a few a few folks in some development houses that we can get a hold of um, and just kind of ask their general thoughts on like sort of the direction of games. I, I've been kind of taking a look at it uh, here and there, uh, and I've. I think you. I think you're in a period where the technology of making a game is no longer the primary limiting factor. It's really, truly the creativity. Uh, you know, in terms of almost like an architectural sense, like can you see the design and can you understand the purpose behind the game, uh, and then translating translating it into, into code is kind of a a technical throughput. Now there's. All those things have to line up very well. Like you have to have somebody with the vision for the game and 
the actual creative capability to put it out there. But th there's a lot of capacity in either you know PC PC style games or or even the current gen consoles or heck even the like the um, the tablet that I'm talking to you guys on right now. There is a, an incredible amount of, of just capacity out there uh, that that's available to somebody that's creative enough uh, or a team that's creative enough and they have the technical know-how to translate that into code into the game. So I, I think I think we're really in a, in a really neat spot for games as we kind of see a lot of these things coming out. And I'm just kind of curious where, where I would love to, to hear from a couple of like longtime developers, like where, where they think the, the direction of games are going, uh, you know, for either good or bad. It kind of, might be kind of an interesting show we can put together at some point. Yeah, definitely worth looking into. I think you, you really hit the nail on the head there, uh, particularly with, you know, vision and creativity are kind of now what makes or breaks a game. I mean, you have tools and engines out there like Unreal 4, for example, where, you know, anyone can download it for free and start making a game. And the tools are incredibly intuitive. You know, there's, there's a lot of really great stuff out there and a lot of support where pretty much anyone can probably put together a game given enough you know time and effort. Uh, even with minimal, you know, game design knowledge, it, it really kind of comes down to how well can you work together as a, as a team, and, and do you have a good vision and a good idea, and, and how well can you execute that? Um, it's it's not the tech anymore. So I think in that regard, you you see a lot of startups now, particularly in the indie industry, where you know the, these tools are out there and people are using them. I mean, hell, even major studios are using them. Like Square Enix is using uh, Unreal Four for Kingdom Hearts Three and the Final Fantasy Seven remake. And this is a, a company that's you know been around for a very long time, produced a lot of successful games, and, and they're using these tools as well. So you know if it's if they're that good and that that worthwhile, worth using, you know that's and anyone can use them, that that's not the factor. Now, you know, a little indie guy can pick up the same tool that, you know, Square Enix is using and make a game. And so at that point, it comes down to, you know, who has the vision. So like you said, it'd be great to get a lot of uh, developers on here and, and maybe talk about, you know, where they see that going. And, you know, are we going to see a shift, you know, in, in how games are made and, and what kind of groups you see producing games. So definitely worth looking into. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I think this is one of the reasons I'm a huge fan of uh, like small development houses and stuff like that because I, th what I've generally you now this is a very broad sweeping generalization, but uh, the the creativity that they bring because they're they're they don't have a lot of controls over them in in all fairness, uh, and you can pretty much get almost anything you want to if you put the time and effort to to put it together. There's a way to get your game published, even if it's through Steam or whatever. Uh, there, that's another big uh, hurdle that's that's kind of out the window right now is in terms of how you distribute a game because you can do it digitally now. You don't have to go through you know a massive physical hardware outturn of like CD, CD discs and all this other kind of jazz. So uh, what I found is like smaller game houses, you know, the classic indie game house, that kind of thing, they tend to rely very heavily on the creativity aspect, uh, and a lot of the bigger development houses. I think I think it's almost a case of they in some cases they seem to have too many resources because they put a whole lot of time and effort in making a really visually well crafted game that you know from either a gameplay me mechanic standpoint like just the, the feel of the game is you know standard or average or feels like other things uh, but it, they're kind of on rails you know they don't really have a lot of uh, major switch-ups in terms of how you play or how it makes you think about the game. 
uh, and actually interact with it. So that's kind of one of the, the neat paradigm shifts that I've been seeing over time. And it, at, uh, I will, I'll take that as a note of maybe some things that we already do is contact a couple of our folks in some different game houses and see if we can have them on here in the next uh, month or so. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that would be great. Um, we're kind of approaching the hour mark here, guys. Is there any other uh, quick things you wanted to, to bump before we uh, go into shout outs? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I think that's about it for me. How about you, Zell? I'm, I'm pretty okay with it. Still playing uh, Black Desert yeah, there? He's still playing a game. He doesn't give a damn what we're <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we're still, we're still recording? Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, let's go into shout outs then. We'll start at the top with uh, Mr. Sarayazo. I don't have my shout out ready yet because I'm still shooting stuff. There's three people in here. You have no time. Get going. Start, start. There's two of you left here. Go oh, jeez. Okay, Jay, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um,. I will give a quick shout out to British Airways, as always, one of my favorites, uh, and uh, Virgin International. The, those are my two favorite international airlines, and they are, they have always done me well, uh, and hopefully will do me well again here in a few months, in a few weeks when I come home. Uh, I do want to give a massive shout out to uh, a a guy that I'm working with. He's a Brit who singing karaoke. In, a, in the most unlikely karaoke bar in the world, Brit, mind you, saying "Born in the USA" and killed it. So that was the most surreal thing that I've seen in at least the last several months. <laughs> but that's uh, amazing. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll, I'll have to give a massive shout out to uh, to him on that one. <laughs> All awesome. Right. Um, go ahead, Zell. I will give my shout out to the uh, Museum of Science and Industry, which I only get to go to every you know five to seven years or something like that. But uh, it's my favorite museum and if you're ever in chicago you should see it because um they do crazy things like um well we have an airliner let's put it in the building and um hey we have a submarine let's put it inside the building they like um putting things in buildings even when it's uh somewhat unreasonably large of an engineering problem to do so that sounds pretty cool i've heard a lot of good things about that museum I think I was going to go there last time I was in Chicago, but uh, scheduling issues, I, I couldn't make it. But I, I'll definitely check it out again once uh, once I get up to the Midwest again. Uh, as for my shout-out, I think I'll give a shout-out to a buddy of mine uh goes by the name of Jesse. He's uh, He actually, I met him on an art website, God, like six, eight years ago. And uh, he commissioned me to do some art assets for a video game he was working on. And, and the game has gone through uh, several iterations uh, in, in styles. Like uh, It was going to be like a, a side-scroller, then it was like a, a fighting game. And now he's actually picked it up and uh, making quite a bit of progress uh, using the Unreal 4 engine to develop kind of a, a Devil May Cry sort of uh, action game. So uh, he's been posting a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I'd like to get him on the show once the game gets a little more uh, developed because he's, he's a pretty cool guy and he's very passionate about what he does. But uh, I just want to give him a shout out for for making some good progress, and I, I look forward to his uh, screenshot Saturdays where he he releases some new stuff for what they're working on over there. So, props to you, man. It's 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 been fun uh, working with you. I'm afraid I'm not involved in you know the current iteration of the game, but uh, still, it's been fun to to watch him progress through the years. So, uh, shout out to him. Uh, with that said, I think we're probably gonna call this one to a close. Uh, pretty good show i'm glad that jay was able to make it uh glad to hear from you man uh, you know you probably went through quite a bit of uh, effort to, to get your uplink working so you could join us but it's uh, it's good to hear your voice and uh, and have your uh, insight on the stuff we're talking about so thanks for showing up 
Uh, and with that said, I think we'll call epi- uh, Biomass Episode 95 to a close. So thank you and have a good night.